What's it gonna take for you to finally break up with your bullshit? Think what you could do if you could only break up with your bullshit. Oh. Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Break Up With Your Bullshit podcast. My name is Michelle Aiken. I am a coach. I work with creative people and I've started a community of creative people online called Break Up With Your Bullshit. And in that community, the artists uh, all are people who want to get their work out into the world and stop making excuses, hence Break Up With Your Bullshit. So um, I... I have a a lot of stuff going on at the moment. Um, the first thing I want to say is in, in between the episodes where I have guests, I'm going to be doing a new format where it's just me talking, riffing on a topic. I have a lot of Instagram videos where I just talk for a minute. And so I thought I could expand on that. And I actually was thinking of doing this and then my very good friend and Break Up With Your Bullshit member, Dina Hafner, sent me a message and asked if I was going to do something like this. And I thought... Yeah, that's a really good idea because, well, I like to talk and uh, and it's also less schedule intensive and um, and you all might like it. So please do give me feedback on it. Uh, let me know what you want to hear about in these episodes. It's very helpful when I have a prompt of some sort, although I do tend to have days where I think of five different ideas and make a whole bunch of videos and then have a drought for a while. So I'd like to get organized with it. That would be nice. Uh, and prompts are a great way to do that. A few things before I jump into the topic for today. Uh, the first is that I am very excited to announce the first ever Break Up With Your Bullshit live event coming up on February 20th, 2021. Uh, I just launched this today. So if you're watching this and it's Monday, then well, it's today. Uh, and I have a bunch of awesome speakers lined up for the event that are all going to be talking on topics related to creativity, motivation, inspiration, and essentially sharing the dirty details, the the real stuff, not just the success story and here's how I got to where I am, but here's how I'm stuck and here's how I'm getting unstuck and things that I hope will really be um valuable and actionable to anyone who is looking to put more of their creative self out into the world and to have actually eyes on their work and, and to get past whatever's in the way. I'm super passionate about that. I, I've broken past a lot of my own bullshit over the years and I, I've put out so much content and I've seen what happens when you have an audience for your work. Um, not from the egoic standpoint, but just from the standpoint of being able to share the thing that you love and and how much it grows when that starts to happen. And so I love when people can actually get the support that they need to move past those things that they're thinking in their head and really go for it and, and allow their art to expand and grow and breathe. Because if you keep it to yourself, it stays stagnant. And if you're sitting with it yourself and you're saying, oh, I, I wish this was better, I don't know if it's good enough... The thing is, it's probably not going to be up to your level of what you you think it could be until you start putting it out there. And like I said, letting it breathe, let the air touch it, get feedback and, and just be able to see it go and, and have a life of its own. If you don't, it's sort of like you, you have a kid and you're just keeping it trapped in your house and you're not letting it go have a life um, if you're too precious about it. 
So, um, so this live event is on February 20th. I'll put the link to my website. My website is michelleaken.com and you can find the, uh, the page for this event very easily. There's not a lot on the website, so it's kind of hard to miss, but, um, go check it out. The early bird tickets, uh, are going to be in effect until the 8th, which is this Friday. If you're listening to this on Monday or any of the days after Monday. Um, so I'm super psyched. I think that event is going to be very catalyzing for people. It's not just going to be hearing speakers talk, but it's also going to be conversation and group work in small groups. And, um, and so I'm keeping the seats pretty limited for the event because I don't want, I don't want to have too, like so many people that you can't even have a conversation. Um, and I've got some great people on my team who are going to be facilitating conversations in small group breakout rooms on Zoom. Uh, so go check out all the details for that and grab your seat if you're interested. So for today, I want to talk about a hot topic among creative people, and that is time. Time and making time for your creative work. I had somebody in our private Facebook group, one of our boops, by the way, that's what we call each other uh, because the the acronym for break up with your bullshit kind of sounds like boobs. And then we didn't want to call each other boobs, so we decided to call each other boops. B-O-O-P-S. So one of the boops submitted this as a, uh, a requested topic to be spoken on at the event. And it very well may be spoken on at the event, but I also just wanted to dive into it. So the, the topic here, or what they said is, when creativity is not your job, how do you prioritize time to do it when there are 18,356,367 other things to be doing? Well, first of all, wow, that's a lot of things. And yeah, sure, there's, there's definitely a lot of things to do in life. Um, and, you know, my, my short snarky answer is that you prioritize it, <laughs> which doesn't help you very much, right? But hold on, I'm just getting a my allergies are going crazy. Anybody else get winter allergies? Because it's special. Uh, so I want to talk about priorities a little bit because I've been in the personal development world for quite a while now. Say, I mean, I was working with people in the personal development world before I was a coach for many years. So I guess you could say over a decade, I've been very interested in my own growth in therapy, in um, motivation. And one thing that I've noticed is that we don't prioritize ourselves, um, especially not our, our minds or our hearts. You know, if, um, for example, if, if you break a bone, you don't say, yeah, you know, that's, a, that's broken, but I'm just going to put off going to get that looked at. No, you go, you go to the emergency room. You relate to that as an emergency. But with our mental well-being, we don't prioritize it the same way. We go through big stuff and then just try and walk on that broken leg for a really long time. And, um, and in fact, we get used to it and we start to relate to it as the way things are. And a lot of times until you can heal that or get some help or get some support for that, you don't even notice 
how much it's impacting you. Now, this is the really tricky thing about therapy or coaching or anything that someone might want to take on is that most people don't realize that they need it until they're getting it. And that's fucked up because, I mean, um, it, it's it's very it's difficult. So this is part of the reason that I'm I make so many videos and why uh, if someone wants to work with me as their coach one on one, I have a conversation with them about it. I don't like just let people uh, just hire me sight unseen, and I also don't expect anyone to because I think you need to have an experience of talking to a coach before you're going to really understand why you need it and why it would help you specifically. I don't think everyone needs it. I don't necessarily think it's the right modality for anybody or for everybody rather. Um, but if you experience it and it makes a difference for you, that's how you know that you need it. So people don't prioritize things like therapy or coaching or, um, the stuff that's just for you. We tend to prioritize other people and it's a lot easier to do that. It's, it, it feels good to do things for other people and to, to be valuable to other people. And so whatever you're prioritizing, whatever you're spending the most time on in your life, it's giving you a kickback of value. Whether that value is healthy or the thing that you actually want to be getting value from in your life is a whole other conversation. But the point is you're getting some value out of the things that you're spending time on. And so to give up something that's currently giving you a payout is tough, right? Like anybody who's had a full-time job that's very lucrative and they really aren't happy and they want to quit and do something else, it's tough to to say, hey, I'm going to leave, um, especially if you're not yet at some breaking point or you haven't gotten completely sick of all your BS excuses. It's tough to just say, say no to a, a safety net. And that's really what it is. It's a safety net. Whatever you're spending a lot of your time on, it's just become something that feels safe. Not that it necessarily is. It probably is something that's comfortable or familiar and you've come to associate it with some feeling of safety or whatever other value it happens to give you. So that's your current priority. Like if, you, if you wrote out what you spend all your time on right now, what takes up the most of it, you're looking at a list of your priorities. They may not be your stated priorities. If we were to ask you, like, what do you, what do you really want to be spending your time on? It would probably be quite skewed. This is why every week, if you have an iPhone, I don't know if other, I don't know if Android does this, but iPhone tells you how how much screen time you had in the last week. It's very rude, um, <laughs> but it shows you your priority. You know, and and I think we don't like seeing that. We don't like being met with the facts of what's actually so. When in, in actuality, to know the facts is to have power. It, it's, if you, if you don't know what's so, you can't make actual decisions. Like so many times people have told me, I can't afford X. And I'm like, well, what could you afford? And they don't know. They don't know. They can't ask or they can't answer that question because they don't even know how much they're making and how much they're spending and they, they've never looked at their money. So it's like, well, how do you know you can't afford something for real? Like, how do you know you can't afford it? And you're saying it like it's a foregone conclusion. It's a fact. I cannot. When you don't even look at your money or you don't even have a plan around 
the things that you want to be doing and, and like how you're going to figure out how to make that happen for yourself. It's just more of this disempowered, vague, no, I can't. I don't think I can. And it goes the same for time, money, any uh, human created thing. Like, I mean, they're both, they're both um, in, inventions, you know, the, the time and the, the structure of it and also money, literally things we invented and then are essentially ruled by. So it may seem roundabout, but I think that the way that you prioritize time to do creative things when that's not your job is to first connect it to your highest level priorities. Like, uh, for example, self-expression is a super high priority for me. Very, very, very high. Um, it's not more important than family, uh, and I will prioritize sometimes working on my music or working on my writing over spending time with my daughter. And sometimes I will prioritize spending time with my daughter over, I don't know, making a podcast or whatever. Um, but I'm really clear on my priorities and my, what my values are essentially. And so it makes it really clear if you figure out what are my priorities, what are my values, and you can connect it to what you spend your time doing all the time it won't necessarily feel like you're missing out on something or giving something up in order to do your creative work. It could just feel more like a rearranging and a reprioritization of what you actually care about. So that would that's the thing I would say. And on a more practical level, look, if you're really, really committed to whatever this creative endeavor is, you could make 10 minutes a day for it. And if you tell me I don't have 10 minutes a day, I don't believe you, liar. Like, it's the biggest, that's the biggest crack of BS. Because just your screen time alone or your scrolling time or whatever you're doing, there's stuff that you're doing that's taking up minutes that you don't need to be doing. And you could inventory it and decide what to knock off. Just knock it off. And, oh, 10 minutes isn't enough. Well, then I guess you're never doing it. You know, like, I, I think, um, I think we have trouble with that. And, and I certainly know how it feels to try and switch gears. You know, by the time I really get warmed up writing, I'm usually an hour in by the time I'm warmed up. But in the first few weeks that I started writing, that I started writing fan fiction a few years ago, I would squeeze it in absolutely anywhere. I mean, I was even, um, I was writing while I was cooking, I was writing in my head and trying to jot things down in the middle of cooking a meal uh, or speaking into a voice memo while out for a walk or, you know, I don't know. When you're really committed to something, you find moments and you, you whatever you're, you have probably, everybody has these beliefs about how things have to look, how it has to go. No, it can't be like that. My whole desk needs to be clean. I need to have an entire five hours. That's just the way I am. That's how I work. Like, okay. I don't know what to tell you. If you're really committed to being that stubborn about who you are and how you work, I don't know what to tell you. Personally, one of the things I've been taking on in the last year is to, to really inventory 
my strongest held beliefs about the way my creative process is, and then demolish them. One of mine was, I could never just sit down once a week and write fan fiction on a regular schedule, like once every week. I was like, I can't do that. It has to happen when I'm inspired. It has to happen when the obsession takes me over. And then I'm going to be doing it every single day. And, and just be, I have to be taken over in order to create. That's bullshit. <laughs> that was a really convenient excuse, both to allow obsession to take me over and have it, have me vacate the rest of my life. Like, sorry, I need to cancel everything today because I'm inspired, uh, or else just to not do it at all, which is, I was in these streaks of doing absolutely nothing at all. Sorry, that's just how I work. No, it's not. And I, I found out because I, I created a, a structure strong enough to keep me writing every single week. And since this happened in August, I have written every Friday and I've published something every Friday with the exception of December, because in December, um, at the beginning of the month, I had a story idea that I had had waiting in my notes on my iPhone for a long time. And so I told my subscribers, um, my fan fiction subscribers, Hey, so I'm going to go dark for a month. They had been getting weekly updates from me. And I said, I'm going to go dark for a month, and then I'm going to post a 10,000-word one-shot. That's when you don't do a multi, like multiple chapters. You basically put up like a short story. I'm going to put up a one-shot on the 31st. So it'll be my last story of 2020. And I'm going to practice writing it slowly over the course of the month without publishing each individual chapter. Because after I, <laughs> after I got started doing that weekly thing and I actually broke up with my own bullshit about it, I discovered that my new thought was, well, I can't write a story that I'm not publishing and getting feedback on every week. Like, I can't just sit on a story and then publish the whole thing when it's done. That's ridiculous. That's no fun. Part of my creative process is that I have to read the comments from my subscribers and it gets, that fuels me and that helps me. And the story's alive that way and, and I have to do it like that. And it's true. It does fuel me and it is fun and I do like it like that. And also, I don't know that my subscribers know this, but when they leave comments on my fan fiction and they're like, oh, I hope this happens. I go to write the next chapter of like, actually, this is a really good idea. <laughs> and then I, I take their idea um, or I mess with them in some way. Like they really, uh, they hate one of the characters and then I do something to make them love the character in the next chapter. Um, so it's, that is one way that I work, but I wanted to challenge that belief and see like, is that true? Could I write something slowly over the course of a month? And let me tell you, it was difficult. Actually, December was the first month that I missed one of my self-set deadlines. I had a word count deadlines every Friday and I got to one Friday and I was writing right up until it was 20 minutes to midnight. And I, I saw, I still had a thousand words left and I know that I can't write a thousand words in 20 minutes because I know how long, I know how much I can write in a certain amount of time because I've timed myself many times. Um, so I put my phone down and I, I went to sleep because I was I was really, I just pushed it. I hadn't, I hadn't made it a priority, probably a lot to do with knowing that I wasn't going to have the instant gratification of publishing something at the end of the day. That really fuels me. That helps me. But I want to grow this other muscle of being able to just nurture something privately. Well, I, I do have an editor who reads it, but it still feels like I'm privately nurturing something and getting it ready. It felt like there was more pressure 
for it to be really good and cohesive. I feel like when I throw up a chapter every week, I can kind of go, well, I just did it real quick. And so if people don't like it, whatever. And it makes it less risky. So there was all this, there's, there was all this value I was getting from doing it the way I was doing it. And I, I had to give that up in order to create a new muscle. And it's not that I, I don't think publishing weekly is a good thing. I, I actually, I still intend to do stories like that. But if I think that that's the only way I can do something, that means that I don't have a choice. Because if choices look like, here's two things I can do, I will now pick one. But if I have a story, and by story, I don't mean fan fiction, I mean like a narrative in my head that says I can't do X, then that thing is not a choice. I can't choose that because that's not something I can do. So if in order to have choices in the matter of your creative process, you need to actually be able to do both things. So my suggestion to anybody who's got a really stubborn opinion about the way you work creatively is to just challenge it for the sake of challenging it so that you may have a choice in the matter. I have to have a really clean desk before I write. Write in a mess. Prove yourself wrong. And on another very practical note, I had accountability partners for the past few weeks, uh, for a few months, actually, one of whom is just really on it. Like she's my friend who doesn't let me off the hook for anything and calls me out more than anybody. And so I asked her, Hey, will you hold me accountable for this? Uh, not only for the fan fiction, but also for getting my master certified coach credential application in because I was dragging my feet around that. And she's a master certified coach. And she's like, hey, what, what, what's up with your application? And how come you haven't used me for accountability around that? And I was like, oh, no. Because <laughs> again, to drag my feet was to, you know, oh, it's hard and I'm getting to it and I don't have time. And I had every excuse in the book and it just wasn't true. And in about four weeks of having some really strict accountability in place with her, I, I mean, so many things happened for me in those four weeks. I really lessened the voice in my head that is very critical because I couldn't even listen to myself coach some, you have to listen to yourself coaching and it would make me just crawl out of my skin. I would listen to 10 minutes and start having an anxiety attack. So I was like, wow, this is not sustainable. And, and a little voice in my head was like, you just need to practice. It, it's just uncomfortable because it's so unfamiliar that it triggers your anxiety. Like you just need to do it more, which doesn't sound um, very, I don't know, nice. <laughs> but I, I just made, I made uh, calendar invitations and, and I, I talked to her about this and, and I put her on the calendar invite so that we're both on it. So if I'm going to move it, she's going to notice that it moved in my calendar. And um, the calendar invites were for hours that I was going to spend listening to myself coach on recordings. Like I have clients who allow me to record the phone call. Uh, and I did that twice a week for four weeks. And it started out in insanely uncomfortable. And then it started to be more fun and playful, even though I was, I could still hear the super judgy voice in my head, like berating myself, like, don't do that. Don't say that. Why'd you do that? Don't do that next time. I'm like, oh, Michelle, like I talk out loud to myself while I'm listening to it. I'm like, shut up. Why did you say that? Um, but it got me to the point where I was, I, I recorded two of them, sent them to my mentor and she was like, these are good. These are going to pass. And, and I submitted my application to the International Coach Federation 
which it definitely would not have happened without the accountability structure. And, um, I've, I've kind of cracked my own code. I know, I know what needs to happen so that I actually will do the thing. And it's not easy. It's not like it just all snaps into place and it's super simple. I definitely, with that and with writing, I have sat and just been like, why did I say I would do this? Oh, I don't have anything. I can't think of anything. It's like, just write something bad then. If you can't think of something good, write something bad. Just let it be bad because that's where you're at right now. And what inevitably happens is I start writing and then suddenly something comes to me because I've engaged, I've said yes. And so suddenly the energy shifts because I've shifted. So until you say yes and you make it a priority and you say, this is going to be the thing I'm going to do, time is not going to move for you. Structures are not going to magically invent themselves and your inspiration and your motivation and your muse is not going to show up for you because you're not showing up for yourself. Okay. Rant over, I think. Um, very excited to rant at you every other week now. So that's, that's my answer. Thank you to the boop who, uh, who sent that one in. By the way, if you're, on, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I would love it if you, you, know, if you think it's a five-star podcast, if you could leave a five-star review and, and some comments. That would really help me out. I don't think Spotify has reviews. Um, and of course, if you're watching this on Instagram or YouTube, comments and likes help the algorithm, help other people find this and, and or send it to someone who needs it. Okay. I think that's good for this episode. I uh, hope this was useful to you. Please let me know um, what was useful or what, you, what else you would like to hear in the future. And uh, check out the event. The Break Up With Your Bullshit live event on michelleaken.com. It's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-A-K-I-N.com. But wherever you're listening to this, you can see my name, .com. Go check it out. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, see you next week with my, my buddy Mike, my YouTube friend Mike, MGTV. Bye. Break up with your bullshit. Oh.